Welcome to Lowering the Rim. We're talking about practice, man. <laughs> <laughs>This is Lowering the Rim, a podcast about the NBA from a fan's perspective. We're just a few casual fans here. Myself, Ian, as your host, Drew, Nick, and today we have a very special guest, the original Andy Liu. He's not a Warriors fan, though. He is a Mavs fan. He's all about the Dirk Better hashtag. So <laughs> let's go, Mavs. What's up, Andy? Hey, what's here? going on? How's it going? Oh, nice. Hey. Thanks for uh, letting me hop on. Yeah, are you familiar? Are you familiar with Andy Liu, the like the podcast guy? No, uh, Drew was trying to tell me about him yesterday. I'm like, I, I don't know who he is. <laughs> He's like, yeah, he came up with Steph Better. Have you heard that hashtag? No, no. Okay, not. yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't really on like social media. Well, you might yeah. be even more out of the loop than I am. That makes me feel kind of good. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least out of the loop on the Warriors, because you're a Mavs fan, right? Yeah, I'm a Mass fan. Um, I did jump on the bandwagon uh, yeah. whenever they uh, started winning, but I never heard of uh, I never heard of him. Never heard of the uh, the Steph Better uh, hashtag. Okay, but I, I mainly just watch the game, so I mean that that may be why. Yeah, well, um, it's better to stay off social media, to be honest. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's it gets pretty wild. So Ian, how dark is that hole? Oh man, it it goes. I went pretty deep. I was in like a uh, special invite-only Warriors chat group during the playoffs. <laughs> wow. Were you really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like extremely exclusive, but it was basically the guy figured out who to invite based on activity they've seen around like certain main Warriors media. All right, guys. Um, the the NBA schedule just came out um, on Monday, and there are quite a few interesting games that are coming up, some interesting matchups. Uh, the Clippers got a lot more national television this year. Uh, so let's start with what are some of the storylines you guys are most interested in in this coming season? Nick, what about you? What are you, what are you looking forward to in this upcoming season? What storyline are you tracking with? Mainly looking forward to the finals again. That's kind of my. <laughs> that's, that's when I start to get excited. Because the yeah. season ends about. Hibernate for about nine months. <laughs> the season ends about, yes, yeah, six or seven games in in Detroit. So uh, so I'm really looking forward to going to some games with you guys. I'm looking forward to. Um, <laughs> Oh. Week two, the Pistons season is done. Huh? Yeah, Andy, what about you? What are you What are you excited about? I really think a lot of the the new lineups. Uh, I want to see them um, see them kind of play play each other. I think you guys kind of have uh, some of the schedule out, and um, I mean a lot of these are definitely going to be matchups that I would definitely be interested in looking at. I mean, you guys got Pelican Lakers. Mm-hmm. That's a that, that's that's going to be a good game. Um, is um is KD is he even gonna be back this year? Probably like the very end, or they're just gonna sit him out all year. 
Well, I've heard I've heard mixed reviews. I mean, some people say that he's definitely not going to play this year, but other people are optimistic that he could maybe come back in April or come back in May. Um, so if the Nets maybe made it to the playoffs, could he make a return then? Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if he does come back, that would be a really interesting uh, storyline to see how yeah, that like works. Maybe help him with the uh, with the playoff push. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think I think I can see the Nets being a, being a top eight team in the East. So I think the playoffs, they're definitely playoff bound. Yeah. Just, do they want to rush them back? Like what the you know what happened with the the Warriors playoff series and, <laughs> and have the whole yeah. ordeal go through his head. Mentally. See, that's what I I could see him playing this year, but I just don't think it's gonna be. This year, it's not gonna be the KD that we have grown accustomed to you know what i mean it's kind of like when paul george came back that first year he just wasn't the same guy it took him that next year is when he's like okay paul george is back yeah so i can't i don't know i just can't imagine him being that guy this year hey quick side note i don't know if you guys saw the report that came out recently i think it was uh chris haynes or something maybe did an article on this um but there were two things that came out one was that KD kind of said, hey, you know, it wasn't the Warriors' fault that I got injured. We were kind of all in agreement, blah, blah, blah. So that was that was good. Um, but the other thing that came out is that when he and Draymond got in that fight in the fall of last season, how KD just quit talking to his teammates for a long period of time. Like he just yeah. wasn't talking to anyone. And so I heard on uh, – on. That reminds me of someone from Boston. Yeah, well, that that's what I was gonna uh, say. Is I can't place the name. <laughs> did he do that too? Right now, but. yes. Well, oh, no, he did word. it. He did it in Cleveland. He did it in Cleveland oh. during the playoffs. It was oh. reported that he just quit talking to his teammates. So I heard somebody. I can't remember who it was. It was somebody on a podcast was talking about how um, Kyrie and KD are gonna be fighting and they're not gonna know it because they're just not talking to each other. <laughs> 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 oh man, they're gonna talk purely through. The, they're gonna have lockers next to each other and talk through sound bites in the media. Yeah. Now I think oh, what they're gonna do is Kendrick Perkins is just gonna come in and mediate the whole thing. Oh, oh Kendrick. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, so here's here's a here's a storyline that I think people are sleeping on. Okay. The revenge game or revenge year of the. Uh, Sacramento Kings versus the Lakers because if you remember and most people do not remember this because so much has happened but Luke Walton got kicked out as head coach of the Lakers because of LeBron James as he kind of usually leaves a wake of fired coaches wherever he goes and uh, I think the Kings are going to be really good this year and I would love to see that as a potential playoff matchup is the Kings Lakers in the first round and Walton's revenge on LeBron, that would be highly interesting to me. Oh, so it. so I think some of the argument for them being a lot better would be um, they picked up Trevor Ariza, Marvin Bagley, and De'Aaron Fox if they take big leaps. Buddy Heald was awesome last year, so if he continues. Uh, they picked up Corey Joseph. He's a good rotation guy. That's oh, That was Corey the other Joseph. guy. That's I knew they had guy. one other. So it was – Ariza, Corey Joseph, and Dwayne Dedman. Those yep. were their, their three uh, gets. Yep, Dedman's good. Um, Bogdanovich is oh. good for them. Harrison Barnes should be decent. Um, but I think if, if Bagley and um, 
De'Aaron Fox really take a leap. And the other thing too is with Luke Walton, I think, I think he's a really good coach. Um, not that the guy they had last year was bad. What's his name? Former Memphis guy, Memphis Grizzlies coach. Blanking on his name right now. Jaeger. Uh, Jaeger. Yeah, I mean he was good, but I think I think um, Luke Walton's going to do some great things with that team. You think Luke Walton Luke Walton will be able to out coach uh, Jason Kidd? Yeah. Yeah. What do we think? Is Vogel going to be out this year? Nick, I'd be interested in your untainted view of this before we all go LeBron hater mode. And by we all, I mean Drew and I. <laughs> uh, the article you sent me didn't, uh, that was described, it was interviewing Jason Kidd about what it would be like to coach LeBron and how well prepared he was for that, right? Yeah. I forget the outlet, but they didn't even mention Vogel. There was no suggestion that kid was an assistant coach. So if somebody yeah. was coming to that article unaware of their coaching situation, he would have just assumed he, he was the head coach. It's going to come down to Vogel's ego probably, his willingness to be treated as an assistant. Uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah. So do you think it happens this year? I was sure that Walton would be locked in for three or four years. So at this point, nothing that happens in that franchise would surprise me. They just yeah. they they show a systemic lack of respect for their personnel. It's really bizarre that people still want to be there. Well, and it seems like don't they also? I feel like they also have a bunch of former head coaches as assistants. Don't they have Lionel Hollins also? Do they? Yeah, and he was a successful coach. Yeah, what what drives a guy to take a position like that in a dysfunctional environment? I'll give you one guess. Like that is I what what do you, I think there's a really <laughs> I think there's a really simple answer to that question. It, it well, it seems like there's kind of a LeBron allergy developing throughout the league to where a lot of players don't want to be anywhere near him. So why would coaches feel differently? Be, because the, they know the that heads heads are going to roll at the top. So if you're oh, next nice. in line, if you're nice. next in line, you're kind of signing up for a potential head coaching job. Oh, man. That would be an interesting, like, uh, journalistic assignment uh, covering the – Lakers assistant coaching tree, like uh, yeah. a medieval British, like a, or a medieval European crown with all these uncles and cousins sort of lobbying for the throne. Yes, exactly. And who's, who's buddying up with LeBron? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, other, other storylines we're interested in for this year? Uh, the thing I'm most interested in is what's going to, I think the way that teams hand, handle load management is going to go a long way to determining how willing the league is to limit or contract the schedule. Mm. Because if people sit like I think they, they might and they probably should, if guys like Steph play between 50 and 60 games, then the league has a public relations crisis, and it really doesn't have yeah. a choice. It's no yeah. longer a matter of uh, – yeah, they, they they can't continue to milk fan bases in outposts like Indiana and Detroit and Sacramento for tickets where the best players in the league never play. It's 
Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. And I hope coaches scale back to, to, to that range for all the best players, 50 to 60 games. So you're kind of rooting for like this being the year of load management that tips yeah. the scales and changes the schedule? Yeah, I, I really want to care about the regular season. I remember as a kid, um, you know, watching three, four games a week, and that's just a yeah, I I really loved it, but I there's just too many games. It feels like a long exhibition season as the standings settle in about 30, 40 games in, and then it's just autopilot, you know? Yeah. Everybody's playing about 80%. Yeah, and, and it feels like a lot of the drama of these subplots that we're talking about has been resolved that far into the season, too. We kind of know how Russ and... and uh, um, Harden are going to get along. We kind of know all that stuff. I, I kind of want to just fast forward to the good part. Yeah. Yeah. Don't we... you think that the by now the fans kind of understand what's going on though, and they they're like sympathetic toward the oh this guy's only like Kawhi he's only going to play sixty games we get it. Yeah, I think in there's theory. not so much like from the fans. There's not so much pushback. Yeah, I think if you're the home fan, like the yeah. home team fans, I think it's more. Well, I think part of what Nick is talking about is like Kawhi is only going to come to Detroit once a year. Yeah. And if he if when he comes to Detroit every year he's sitting, then you're kind of ripping off the fan base there who maybe wants to see Kawhi or. You know, who fill in the blank of whatever elite superstar you pick, you know. So I I still live in Indiana, as you do, Ian, and I've got a number of friends who have um, taken their kids to in, Pacer games for their birthday or some special event to see teams like the Warriors, and they come back, they have multiple times come back and said, yeah, it was a really hard night because my son was crying because nobody played. This was like the thing he wanted all year, <laughs> yeah. and it ends up being this. So you know, Kobe didn't play, or um, yeah, because if if you're gonna sit a night out, you're gonna do it in a place like Indiana. You, you're probably gonna win anyway. There's no national media, uh, and so it, it be yeah. It's and then you have I've had times where people have given me good tickets to Pacer games in the season that were not against marquee teams. And it was nights that I couldn't go and I could not find anybody to give them to. It was two yeah. good tickets, but it was like, well, there's no one on the Pacers whose name we know anymore. And if there's nobody from out of town, we're not doing it. So if, so what would do you think would be a good solution to, to that problem? Yeah, I think, realistically it's difficult because it's so because financially it's really complicated from a competitive standpoint i think you need like 52 games to figure out who the playoff field should be uh and then you pump some life back into each of those games they all become more important like i i watch every nfl game because there's just 16 and they're all very consequential uh it's, I mean, you can't scale it back that much and you don't want to for basketball because it's not that physically demanding. But I'd love to see a 52-60 game season from a competitive standpoint and limit the playoff field probably. Over half of the league probably shouldn't make the playoffs. 
You know, it's these days it's harder to miss. You, it's would, harder to miss the saying, playoffs like, than get into them. Are you saying uh, maybe like six teams from each conference? Actually, the conference thing is kind of yeah. part of the problem. Yeah, the well, conference. It, you know, the league should have had the courage to do away with conferences back when it became clear how lopsided it was during the Lakers, like era and the uh, sort of run in the early two thousands. It was just. It's yeah. I think there was an article written. And it's been lopsided for the last twenty years. Yeah. Or to just recognize conferences for the regular season, but not for the playoffs. Yeah, let let teams hang a banner that says you won the conference and. You know, teams <laughs> it's, let them hang that division well, title, but don't let yeah, it. Yeah, I'm thinking more in. for travel. I wasn't thinking because you don't really get a. I don't. Do they still do division banners? Maybe they do. Yeah, at places like Indiana, they do. Yeah, because they're not going <laughs> to hang anything else. They want to put something up there. <laughs> I, you can't blame them. You know, you gotta. <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I mean, does that seem like too few games? Uh, what are you losing if you do that? I do agree with the – it would be nice to see the just the best teams in the playoffs and not – you know, Orlando doesn't need to get in. No. Sorry, Nick, Detroit didn't need to get in last year. I wanted a lottery pick. I didn't want in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, it would just be better to have, like, the culmination of the best teams, not eight from the West, eight from the East. It's like top 16 teams overall. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that, or if they wanted mm-hmm. to keep the 16 – yeah. Well, and the last the last few years that has that would be like ten from the west and six from the east, because I remember looking at it the pa- yeah. past couple of years and it was always like there were always one or two more teams in the west that would be in and a few of the teams in the east that would drop out if you just did straight top mm-hmm. sixteen teams. That's but, probably I better mean, yeah, because that... in the west there are always deserving teams at nine or 10, right. Who are close and who would be competitive. Yeah. And... Well, and getting number one is actually may, way more rewarding than two, because if you're playing like the sixth seed in the East, mm-hmm. it's probably a way easier series than playing the eighth seed in the West, at least as how, how it's played out the last couple of years. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I then mean, like the, even the Clippers, the Clippers Warriors matchup this last year. I mean, the Clippers were way better than who was the bottom Orlando, maybe the bottom Detroit of the, the or Detroit was the eighth. Yeah, I mean, either way, the Clippers were way better than those bottom teams, at least those bottom two teams. Yeah, definitely. And um, you have a more competitive, you have more competitive balance in the playoffs and you also have a, a, a playoffs that is not a war of attrition. I'm still yeah. kind of irritated that last year's finals came down to just who could stay healthy, and that yeah. KD and Clay played a hundred games. They made it through like a hundred games healthy, and finally their bodies gave out. And at that point, yeah. they should have had their rings thirty games ago. You know, yeah. Clearly, this was the best lineup. But they just got worn out. And it wasn't just that year. It was three or four consecutive years of these 100-plus game seasons. And that's just obscene. It's just totally unnecessary. Yeah. That's why. It's almost offensive, isn't it? It's got like a bit of a, bit of an odor to it, a bit of a s- smell. <laughs> hey, that's why. I have a deer, a deer smell. That's why I well, tweeted you know, after if... the finals, load management, you, you the real MVP. 
yeah, just imagine being KD or Clay now. I mean, it's it's kind of a blip in the rest of our lives, but they have to sit in, they have to wear a boot now for the next nine months because, you know, they're. Yeah, that's the real problem. Is now the the league is going to miss a whole KD season, which is not what you want at all. And next year it could be, it could be Steph. It could. I don't know how LeBron has has stayed healthy. You know, that's actually. Well, maybe Drew, one of his most Drew, redeeming. Drew will tell. Chamber. Drew will tell you that off the record. What did you say? He's got the little chamber that he goes into. Uh, the chamber is just for show. He has a chamber. Chamber Amen. of secrets. The chamber hey, is just for show. Works. I think it's uh, he's getting some special medicine. Special medicine. Does he do? Uh, is it is it cryogenic stuff? Yeah, like I think yeah. that's what the chamber thing is. It's like okay. cryogenic hey, therapy he might, he might or something. Get a frostbite this year. <laughs> So yeah, you, who you, is that you've who heard got of Antonio Brown? <laughs> yeah. There's been talk that he randomly decides to go to, I don't know, Amsterdam or maybe Germany just for a little weekend getaway. <laughs> Get some blood work done. Yeah. Are, something. <laughs> are you a football fan, Andy? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a football fan. Uh, Raiders guy? Not a Raiders guy. Okay. No, he's from Dallas. Remember, man. he's not he's not that he's Andy a... Lou. He's the original <laughs> Andy Lou. Well, you guys are in California. Um, Dude, he's a Cowboys fan. Oh, sure, sure. Well, he was just referencing a Raiders player there who has just also <laughs> threatened to quit because he can't wear the helmet he wants. His helmet. Lots of yeah, drama. What, what is that? I, I never heard that with the whole I, – I heard that, but what's the full story on that? What's the deal with the helmet? Uh, well, it's a to begin with, it's a really sort of dramatic, flamboyant player who arrived in camp this year by, via hot air balloon, just to give you some context. Wow! And, nice. Uh, well played. They call him Oz. Do not arouse the wrath of the great and powerful Oz. Pardon? <laughs> the wizard? Oh, the wiz. Yeah. Uh, no, he. Uh, so he's just a high-maintenance guy who has this helmet that he loves, and the league has come under fire for concussion stuff, and so has only – they've agreed to, like they, – they, they've tested all these helmets, and there's only 10 that pass the uh, – whatever test they're applying to. And starting this year, you can only wear one of those 10 helmets because they're, they're – uh, the most protective and he wants to keep using one that he's worn you know for the last 10 years and they won't let him do it so for some reason he says it obscures his view uh, of the football or just he doesn't like the way it looks I don't know but yeah he threatened to quit and he, he's probably the best receiver in the game he's really fun to watch but he's just kind of a head case all right, well, let's get back to the NBA. Um, okay. Uh, just for the record, I actually have no problem with uh, using recovery methods that might not be legal. I feel like it doesn't make you a better player. It just, it just heals your body. Yeah, that's an interesting like H- question. HGH and stuff, I actually don't think that that's cheating. Well, but if it heals your body faster, then most likely it's something that's not organic approved so something illegal in there that could potentially make you a little bit stronger right if you're recovering faster some something in the body is performing better 
than what it would normally perform. Yeah, at. that's true. I just think like with basketball, it's such a skill game that even if you're let them take steroids, let them get all buff. Yeah, like <laughs> even, yeah, like even if you're performing better, that that doesn't mean your skills are going to be any better. The only way those are going to get better is if you're honing them. You know, you're not going to be able to shoot better because you're you've recovered very fast or dribble better. You know. Well, so, it's an interesting. I, I really don't have a problem with it. It's an interesting question. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell did a podcast on this, on the difference between using HGH for recovery versus you know taking your game to the next level, and makes the case that recovery is is fine. Um, compares it to surgeries, like Tommy John surgeries, um, to repair your throwing arm, and it, it is a fine line. I don't know. Uh, that it would translate in the NBA in the same way that it would in the NFL because it's such a physical, you know, it's a violent game. Um, but one thing... Yeah, you need, you need your strength, right, in, as far as an NFL player. But well, you do in the NBA, too. The NBA too. is, well, somewhat, but it's so much finesse and skill. I just, I don't know if, it, if it's this... It's not apples to apples, let's say. Yeah, but if you, it's not. But if you can get big, like how much skill does Dwight Howard have? How much did he ever have? Right? He's, yeah, but it's not. He, he's a rec league yeah. guy, basically, in his skill set. But what do guys say now about how the way they play in the league? Like they would be able to play Shaq off the court, you know, because of the way that the game is played back then. It was, it was, it was a different yeah. uh, strategy. So, well, I just don't. And well, a couple things to that. Yeah, that's uh, the league has gotten better in that respect and being a more skill-centric game. But baseball's a game that is even less um, steroids or HGH would seem to be less relevant there. And they turned Barry Bonds into like a superhuman baseball monster. Yeah. Like he hit he hit more home runs than he swung at pitches and missed when he was really loaded up and. Apparently, it does something for your not not only your confidence but your coordination, your your twitch muscles, uh, to where the ultra like baseball is the ultimate skill game, right? And it it turned him into like I mean easily the best baseball player in history. Um, mm. So I, yeah, I'd have to believe it'd make you faster, it'd make you quicker. It would, uh, but now you're saying he was using steroids, right? Because I don't think HGH is the same as steroids. No, it's not. And I, so there's some nuance. There's some nuances there to what sort of well products we, they're using. Yeah, and, but we don't know what he was using. I mean, it was called like clear, mm. or it had obviously some. <laughs> yeah, it's called pump. It was Big called pump. It was called. <laughs> it was called all natural. <laughs> Organic. B12, yeah. But yeah, it was called Daddy. Daddy takes you yard. <laughs> but it's. Uh, I think it's just such a gray area. <laughs> but that era had so many of them, right? Yeah. Bonds, McGuire, Sosa. When you see Conseco. what they look like whenever they uh, they came into the league, and you're like, yeah, oh, wow. Jeff Bagwell. Like, looking back, it's hilarious <laughs> that we didn't know that they were on steroids because they. Yeah, it's like, uh, Barry, I'm sorry, we actually can't sew a hat that fits your head. (laughs) Yeah, his head about Um, doubled in size, yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, he, he was yeah. kind of built like Ian or, or, or you, Drew, and he ended up being just this. Yeah. Yeah, the before and after picks are pretty hilarious of him. Yeah. All to say, I think it is a good question. It's a fair question of of what of what we we do allow because we we there are all kinds of performance enhancing drug drugs that we do accept and um part of me feels for guys who get caught up in that and, and, and who get kind of burned by it and have their careers ruined uh, anyway it's like that saying if you're not cheating you're not trying That's especially <laughs> in baseball yeah <laughs> the game's all about cheating and in any pine way you, tar, you know? pine tar and <laughs> stealing signs and stealing bases and yeah Honestly, the first time I saw Zion play, that, that was my first thought. It's kind of like when you see Bo Jackson. You just yeah. think that is not normal. That's not a normal human genetic development. There's right, just something. Uh-huh. Where, was he engineered by his parents for this? Was he given this stuff in his adolescence to sort yeah. of set off a trajectory of physical development that, you know, would would make him what he is today and have it all out of his system by the time he's this old. I, I don't know. It just looks totally unnatural. Well, we'll, we'll find out soon if he can keep it up because now he's going to have to take a, a drug test every uh, whatever their schedule is, right? Yeah. Don't you think he just looks like a foot, what an NFL player would look like, though? Yeah, but he... I mean, you don't, necessarily, you don't automatically say that they look unnatural. It's but, just he's chose a different sport. Yeah, but, but has their ty- their body type? That's that's part of it, uh, and I I don't think he did anything. It's just he's so impressive. He, it's it's like the his agility, his body control, and his footwork, and he he like he reminds you of, of like a Barry Sanders for yeah. for an NFL parallel, but he's built like a lineman. It's just mm-hmm. yeah, he could play in the NFL tomorrow. I'm convinced he could he could be on an NFL roster on the field next year yeah but why would you do that when you can make so much guaranteed money in the nba and walk away yeah. injury free well uh ct free right what yeah. i thought you were going to hint at andy is all the critics now are coming out on zion and saying that his body type can't withstand 82 games he's too heavy mm-hmm. and so forth that'll be interesting well, huh they they took him out of the first summer league game because he's out of shape. I mean, this guy literally just played basketball like two months ago. Like, yeah. What happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, they said uh, they so. said they are worried about him be, because of where he lives. That New Orleans food scene is way too good for somebody like Zion. Did they say that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's jump to um, playoff series we want to see. Who are some of the matchups you'd like to see, especially since, Nick, you said – you're ready for the playoffs to start yesterday. Who would you like to see the, these teams face off? I, I would like to see uh, – it's, it's sort of um, the telling moment for the, the, the process in Philadelphia. I'm really curious to know uh, what comes of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I really want to see what – New Orleans can do if they sneak into the playoffs. Um, in a seven-game series, it's uh, they have the lineup I'm most interested in this year, 
uh, yeah. we get to see what those young guys from L.A. look like when they're out of LeBron's shadow and out of the smog of that organization. We get to see uh, they got a couple athletic, good young players um, in this year's draft, and they they brought back one or two. Um, mm-hmm. I want to see what Dallas looks like. I want to see how healthy they are. Um, and then also what, was, uh, yeah, go on, Drew. I was saying, I was going to say, I was telling Andy that yesterday. I want to see Dallas um, get their we believe moment where they sneak in as the eighth seed and they knock off the one seed. Yeah, that would and be they, great. And Dirk, Dirk is on the sidelines and he gets to bask in that. Yeah, that'd be fun. Andy, that would be fantastic. Andy, what's the uh, what 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 are your expectations for the Mavs this year? I think we, they can be um, you know last two playoff spot. I think they could probably fight for that. Um, I think that that should probably be the floor for them, honestly. Uh, but again, everybody has to click. You have to see. Um, you know how Przingis comes back. I mean, it's a whole year removed, and it's going to take him time to, to adjust. And as he's adjusting, it's going to take him time to adjust to a whole new team, a whole new system, whole new players. Um, you know, how long is that going to take uh, for everybody to get on the same page and be up to the conditioning um, and the level that they should be playing on paper? Yeah, we look pretty. Pretty good. We look good on paper. You're um, projected for 40 wins. You think that they will exceed that? Yeah, because that means we're less than a 500 team. Yeah, we should have really, really good future. Um, for sure, I'll take the over 40.5 on that all day. That's their over-unders 40.5? Yeah. Well, that seems low, doesn't it? Uh, I would imagine to get in... In the West, about that's about forty-four is probably what you're gonna have to win somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Mm. So they would be right there. So Andy, you think they're for sure in the playoffs? Yeah, I would say we're for sure in. Um, I just hope it doesn't take us too long to figure it out. Yeah. Because again, like on paper, we should be maybe <coughs> four or five. In the West, on paper, but I know it's going to take us some time to really just get adjusted, you know. So, you know, I like I like our twenty twenty season. <laughs> We're already looking ahead. We're already looking ahead. <laughs> nice, Drew. What about you? Who are you interested to see in the playoffs? Well, like I said, I would love to see Dallas get in. I also. Um, Going back to my original point, I want to see what the Rockets look like in the playoffs now. Yeah. With Harden and Westbrook. That just... They base, they're not the same player, but they do the same thing where they just have the ball the whole game. So what is that going to look like in a playoff situation? Because uh, you've basically... You've never seen either one of them playing off ball. And now they're both going to be on the floor? That's going to be pretty interesting. Um, I also think Denver is going to be a fun team to watch um, they've kind of already gone through the some of the heartbreak that it takes a young team um, to you know to take those steps forward so 
another year of Murray and um, Jokic, that should be... Uh, they're the type of team that I imagine would knock out like a top four seed in the playoffs. Yeah. Be an upset team. The Nuggets? They, yeah, they have that potential. Say they're like a five or a six, but they end up winning their first round. You think they'll be that round. low this year? I mean, they yeah, were. I think they were like part of the top four team. They were two last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, the West has changed so much it's hard to really predict yeah you're you're given that where people are going to be slotted we you know, know we know you're giving that one spot to the jazz like everyone else yeah you know i didn't want to say it but um <laughs> jazz jazz 2020 uh nba champions that's <laughs> oh man okay so can i give you a couple of my my playoff picks i really want to see i yeah. don't i don't care where it happens in the in the playoffs but I really want to see Rockets Warriors because Curry has owned Harden and Westbrook for so long. I'd love to see it happen again. I really want to see a Nets Boston series because I just want to hear that Boston crowd every time Kyrie <laughs> plays. Uh, oh, no. And I'd love to see Kemba outplay Boston or outplay Kyrie in that situation. I think that'd be pretty funny. I really am hoping the Pelicans can make it and get a first-round matchup with the Lakers. Either them or Sacramento, but I think the Pelicans would actually be more interesting because you have all the assets they gave away, and then you know you kind of have this, if Zion is who we think he is, he's kind of like this, the heir apparent to LeBron, at least kind of the the space that LeBron has occupied as kind of this really freak-of-nature athlete who's pretty versatile so you have like all of that going for you i think that would be a really interesting series um you know would love to just get um just a great jazz spurs series you know just classic fundamental battle <laughs> classic just 1994 <laughs> basketball just classic x's just and o's waiting on that yeah that's that's what the nba doesn't want to happen Maybe the lowest-rated oh, no. series, series in twenty see, years. I was actually, yeah. I was gonna go. I want to see the Spurs Lakers in the playoffs because of our. Oh ongoing yes, bet. that would actually be good. That's the series I would like to see. Yeah. Um, you know, I just want to see Demar Derozan have his way with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and then of course, uh, Clippers Lakers would be a great series. I think everybody wouldn't mind seeing that. Some people are already talking about how that's uh, <clears throat> that might that they're wanting that to be the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. But uh, did you, Ian? Did you go in on that bet with me, or is it just me and Nick for the Spurs Lakers? No, Ian bought a pool. Remember? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, right. that's right. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me, man. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to interrupt you, Ian. Sorry. Yeah, did you want me to talk about my inflatable pool I bought for my kids in the backyard? <laughs> Ian, I want yeah. you to tell me who has a better record, the Jazz or the Lakers. Oh, Jazz, for sure. Here's my rationale. I think the Jazz are naturally going to be a better regular season team. And one way or the other, whether it's injuries or just playing the load management game, the Lakers... I just don't think they're going to win a lot if 
if LeBron and AD aren't playing significant minutes. And I think they're going to have to pace those guys and or, you know, those guys are going to have to take nights off or whatever just because of, you know, trying to keep them fresh for the playoffs. I think the Lakers become much more dangerous in the playoffs. I- All right, well, um, okay, let's let's do this one real quick, and then I'm going to have to bounce here. Drew, I'll let you do the playoff picks with these guys. Um, what's your hottest take for this upcoming season? And, I mean, it can be anything. I'll give you mine because I have one already lined up to maybe get you guys going on this. But um, my hottest take is that this year is going to reveal that the Warriors actually won the KD D'Angelo Russell trade. On a scale of one to fire, how hot is that? <laughs> I would say TGI Fridays. No, I'd say Chili's to go hot. <laughs> oh. Okay. So you guys have a hot take? Nick, I'm expecting some Pistons hot takes out of you. Oh, man. I just, there's just not much there. All man. cylinders, Nick. We need you firing on all cylinders. Nick, you are muted. So, do you, Ian, do you mean that because, like, um, you think this is sort of KD's, the beginning of his decline, or? I think. You, or do you think the team chemistry is just going to be a lot better? Both. Both. I think. Okay. I think. KD will still be an unbelievable individual talent, even when he comes back from injury. I don't think he'll ever be what he was, like what we saw him at at the end of like the Warriors run. I don't think we're gonna see that again. But I think what part so partially what I mean by that is not not necessarily that D'Angelo Russell in a vacuum is gonna be better than KD, although I think he may pass him in the next couple years. It's that it's the combination of KD will kind of plateau or either start declining and D'Angelo Russell is going to continue to improve and then combine that with their circumstances. D'Angelo Russell is going to look exponentially better in the situation he's in. And I think Kevin Durant isn't going to look as as great in the situation with the Nets, primarily because of the I, I'm, I don't I don't buy into the. KD Kyrie chemistry. I just don't think that that's going to work. Um, so that's what I mean by the Warriors will win that trade because they'll be better off having D'Angelo Russell than the Nets will have been giving him up, if that makes sense. Um, the future of their franchise would have been in a better situation if they kept D'Angelo. Uh, Ian, to your, to your thought on uh, the warriors brooklyn trade and who wins that one of the things that makes it difficult to judge those kind of things is each team is in a different situation and has different needs and i think at this point you can already call the trade a win for golden state because they were going to lose kd anyway oh, yeah and they somehow yeah. managed to pull out that huge asset so i think no yeah. matter what happens golden state wins their half of the trade Brooklyn could could win their, you know, I mean they they could still win it too on some terms, but it looks like a a, a more complicated proposition. They've got yeah. these volatile guys who have to, you know, some pretty yeah. they got a ton of baggage and a lot of bad habits and 
a lot of hypersensitivity and insecurity and I mean yeah. it's just it, it could get absolutely crazy. It could be a feast for New York media. Yeah. I mean in a vacuum I would say KD in my opinion was the best all-around player I mean the past few years. Yeah. Hands down in in my opinion. I mean the only other guy that rivaled him a little bit was Kawhi right before he got injured. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't Kawhi's been great but I still don't think he's back at the level that he was like you know like when when Kawhi was really coming into his own when they won their uh that title against Miami. Yeah. I mean he was just so great on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um but K- KD's size and his shooting ability and I mean He's so efficient, can play defense, can dribble past shoot. Yeah. I mean, he – I don't get why, like, even after he was winning titles, people were like, well, he's not better than LeBron. It's like he owned LeBron in those finals. Yeah, it's like too much of a – too much firepower when you have KD, Clay, Steph, and Draymond all hit – and Iggy. When they were all hitting on all cylinders, I mean, it's just too much. If, if from my perspective, it's kind of farcical that people are even reluctant to go there because it seems pretty clear. Years yeah. from now, I think everyone will look back and, and, and kind of marvel at that uh, collection of talent. It's just it's better than anything the Bulls had. It's better than anything the Lakers ever had. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I, and I, I don't even know what's second place, honestly, when they're all healthy. Yeah. Especially factor, yeah. factor in playoff clay, and he's maybe yeah. suddenly the best of all five guys. Um, yeah, you got yeah. There, Iggy to there do were the nights he was like and, that. Yeah, yeah. In, in a big game, he is the one guy you've got to have, even over you know the other two scorers. Yeah, they 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 were. It's sad that it's over. Yeah, well, I told I remember telling Drew I think KD will look back and regret the fact that he didn't figure out how to yeah, make it work. He's going to have a McCall but... moment, man. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he may he may not regret it as much as McCaw, to be just to be clear. Well, would, <laughs> at least KD got his money. <laughs> would would KD ever admit it? You know. No. I don't think he would. I, I think he well, would he would Maybe maybe when he's like 50 and he's doing some candid podcast where he says things that he takes back later but like uh Shaq did with Orlando right saying he yeah. should have never left Orlando yeah. yeah I guess it becomes it becomes easier in your 50s I I, I got a question for Andy for his thoughts on something all right so we're gonna do a segment now it's called questions for Andy questions. This now this is, is gonna Andy... be a recurring segment now from Every episode. where Andy right Fields questions, so let's get right well, into is, it. I just kind of want, want, want your thoughts on something. I've always wanted an NBA team to gather together all foreign guys from a certain region and let them play a foreign style of basketball just as purely as possible. And part of that comes from growing up watching a hockey team that did that with Russian players. So the Red Wings went and got a bunch of Russians and created a, a, a very European lineup in the mid-90s, and they ended up changing the NHL. Um, 
they played a really beautiful style, and the guys just naturally knew how to play together. The coach just put him out there, and he wouldn't even tell him what to do. He just – they had full reign. Um, and I've kind of like wanted the Mavs – pardon? So, so it was like a pickup basketball game. No plays, nothing. Just go out there, fill your guys out. Yeah. Play your style. And if if everyone is sort of thinking the same thoughts and on the same wavelength, it works. So I've wanted the Mavs to do that with East European guys. Like, I wanted them to get Dragic. I wanted them to get Jokic. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some of these other East European guys. Um, even get, like, Mo Wagner. Uh, I mean, he's German, but it's close. And basically run out like an international World Cup team. And I think they could compete. I, I think you could fit them under the cap. Um I know that the Wings got guys for discounts that were not playing well in other systems that became superstars again, playing with other Russians. I think it happened for some of these guys. It'd be great for the young, uh, you know, Lithuanian or Slovenian guys. Um, is it uh, Zubak? How, how do you pronounce that? Z- yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. Is it? Okay. I- I don't the, know. The, the center? Oh, he got traded, right? Yeah, he got traded from LA. Yeah, he plays for the for the Clippers now. What do you so? What are your thoughts on that? Does that sound like a stupid idea? Would that be fun to root for? Would that be? Would that make for? Man, you know, like um, so I, I I'm pretty familiar with uh, well, I'm not pretty, I'm kind of familiar with uh, the whole Red Wing analogy. Um, I watched a lot of hockey during that time. I was a big Stars fan. Um, yeah. And I remember the 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 good old Chris Osgood days. Um, yeah, yeah. Who was their other guy? Um, I, I can't think of it. Um, but will that work? I mean, you know, if we look at it from a talent perspective, right? Um, to where you know we have you know Team USA basketball, and Team USA basketball has pretty much dominated the past. I don't know what three or four times that they went out there, they've gotten gold. Um, but this this may be. I mean, like our best group of like talent I'm not saying like the best as in you know we have all the hall of famers in here but we have a good group a generational talent um and and the games change and adapted more to you know I, I don't think anybody else in the world plays basketball the way we play basketball in the usa americans do yeah. um i mean even the european style um and yeah, that would be interesting to have them all together. Um, will it work? I don't know. I don't know. Just because, and you're probably more bigger hockey fan. Um, you know, from the sound of it, you know, hockey wise, the game from you know Canada, Russia, and the way they play in the United States, is it that much different? It, it maybe it's like you know more like a physical thing or, or whatever it is, but is it? that much different to where if you watched it you would be able to tell clearly that this is a completely different game uh yeah be, be, uh, not between the united states and canada that's been traditionally a very violent uh slower paced more like throw the puck in the zone like dump and chase to hockey russian has got uh hockey and uh other forms of european to a lesser degree hockey have a more it's, it's more like a dance choreography it's this. It's, mm-hmm. it's based on anticipation and reading the other players. It's kind of like, like, uh, 
um, you, a form of jazz or something in that sense, where you, you're kind of reading each other and thinking together and intuiting things. Um, mm-hmm. And it, what, what, what stuck with me from that time is how something kind of transcendent came out of that that was much bigger than the sum of the individual parts. And it was this major cultural event that just as a fan was really exciting. Um, and it was at a time where they were constantly getting slashed and punched in the back of the head because they were Russians and people hated that. And <clears throat> So they were disadvantaged in ways they wouldn't be now. They would have won, I think, five or six straight cups today if, if people, you know, in, under today's rules. But it was just such a memorable fan experience. And I, I got excited for Dallas seeing those two guys together. It's, it, I think it will be a really fun era for uh, you guys to – watch basketball and if I were you I would love to see him just stack the team with and one of the one of the cool things is I think it actually it might work under the cap you might be able to convince these guys to well a lot of them wouldn't be that expensive they're probably undervalued they're playing in systems where their skill sets are kind of out of place maybe um yeah it'd just be a fun experiment you know is part of that I remember reading an article this, I think it was this summer, where Cuban had said that he likes looking for those European guys because from a very young age, they learn the fundamentals and all the skills and they just get drilled into Mm. them. Whereas here, everything has evolved into AAU style, which is like not much... It's just very run and gun. There's not much organization, not much coaching. It's just kind of shoot, shoot, shoot. Yeah, I've I've heard and that. It's, too. it's a lot of uh, you know, become famous on social media because of what you're doing versus the idea of the fundamentals being drilled down and playing more of a a team style. Yeah. So the, did you ever hear that where Cuban said those sort of things? I haven't, but I've I've heard it more generally, and yeah, he he said that in an article. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, and I think I think within that same time frame of the articles, you know what they had said um, is because they were like, well, you know, they were holding out Luca last year, you know, because they were saying they're doing it for rest, but then they were like, well, are they doing it because he they're afraid of you know him being shown up by rookies, and the hmm. thing is, he's been playing professionally. You know, and that's all he's done. Whereas here, these guys still have to go to school because they are a student first, and then they're an athlete. Even if they go up to eighteen and they have tutors that do the work for them, I mean, that's a whole separate topic. You know, but the thing is, he's been playing against grown men. You know, when he was fourteen, fifteen, and they're probably like well into their you know their their twenties or thirties. Um, so that could work for them there to where they know. But if you, I, I don't know if he stacked up everybody against. I think against a normal NBA team, yes. Like, I think that would be fine. But how competitive could they be? Um, I mean, that would be interesting. But their skill set is different because they're more shooters, right? Um, and kind of like going to to Drew's point of them, you know, running and gunning, like, it's, it's a lot of dunk highlights, right? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of dunk highlights, um, you know, for all these up-and-coming kids. Cross it's, someone over. Yeah, cross them dunk, over. Yeah. Throw a lob, whatever, right? Uh-huh. Um and with the game now to where it's more, you know, outside, it's more three-point range. I mean, look at Trey Young. The dude's pulling up like six foot behind line 
and that's regular shot. And, you know, Steph did it first, probably about, like, four foot, you know, but now, you know, like, maybe in that sense, it may take some time, though, um, for that to adjust, for them to adjust, and then the league would have to adjust if that's what they're going to do. Sounds good on paper. I like the theory. I like. I love that. It sounds. It sounds good. I guess you're you're gonna get a subtle glimpse of it this year because Cuban has orchestrated um, them getting Luca. I mean, they gave away picks because he wanted Luca so bad, which hindsight looks like a very smart play. And then he really wanted Porzingis too. They gave away uh, stuff to get him as well. So it's not fully where you're wanting to see it uh play out nick but it's gonna it's possibly moving closer toward that yeah you, uh, you've got like the two main pieces yet you would want yeah yep. yeah I mean, like I mean, probably the best from those areas yeah. trying to think though like if you could get Jokic or i really like bogdanovich from the kings yeah they're, they're a young guy yeah he is a Lights out shooters. And these guys are long too. It's you're, you're talking six ten shooters, six seven foot shooters. So yeah, like Luca's six eight, and yeah. he's the point guard. And that's what you want right now, right? Is guys who can switch, guys who can cause, you know, that that can take people out past the three point line. You know, in interior players. Uh, the yeah, and. Beyond those kind of measurables, I feel like there's a different culture over there, a basketball culture. I read this article on The Athletic about Andre Drummond, or he was talking about being willing to go up and try and block a shot, even if it meant getting dunked on and putting a highlight. And there was this sense that there was a thought process there, like, well, should I try to stop it because I might look bad? It's just really bizarre, selfish, highlight-centric. Yeah, that's highlight how yeah, I don't think they have that over there. I think guys just put their head down and play. They're not afraid to look dumb. I think that there's there's a more team-oriented uh, sort of ethos that they just get on with. And I would love – I think Carlisle might be the best – he's got to be the most underrated coach in the NBA. And what, what he could well, do with a team like that would be – I would love to see that too. I wouldn't say Carl is underrated because he's often, whenever the Mavs were doing good, uh, he was often put as the second best coach to pop. Um, in the oh, okay. They had, they had him above above Rivers at the time. Um, you know, nice. The thing is, for for him, he plays through a system which would probably work well with uh, those European players, right? Um, working through his system because he has to like call the plays or, or, or whatever. Um, maybe that would work better with. Um, you know, a European style uh, type of player. And the Mavs have already shown the inclination toward that. I mean, can you imagine if they would have, if this team had young Dirk as well? That, that would be, that would be awesome. a I mean, lot even, of fun just, to watch. You know, I just want to see old Dirk out there. Just, hey, just, just <laughs> give him one more year. Like, maybe he doesn't have to do, like, a full year. Maybe he comes in after the All-Star break or just in time. You know, like, he, you know, he says that, you know, yeah, no, I don't have to watch my figure no more. I can eat. You know, that's his first retirement interview. But, you know, you know that dude's putting up shots. All right. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Lowering the Rim. You can follow us on all social media. That's at Lowering the Rim. That's Twitter, Instagram. You can also email us at Lowering the Rim. 
Um, that's at gmail.com. Be sure to give us all the one stars that Apple Podcasts can handle. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.